0: Brother, we have come to a stage in our service tonight where we hear the word of God and then pray based on the word. God has prepared His servant, Pastor Cyril, yeah. come and minister His word to us. Let's open our hearts and receive the word of God. Let's welcome Him. To Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. amen we thank god for tonight amen let's want to make sure i'm seeing everybody's face <laughs> hallelujah amen. it's a blessing to be in god's house um I want to thank god for the opportunity to share god's word and to lead us all in prayer i think if we are to close now crap we are still blessed going home because um When Uncle Larry was, uh, before he called for the testimony, I think he preached part of my message. I said, hey, he's finished my message.
1: And
0: then Paul also came, and the prayer topics are all on. I said, wow, so we can go home now. Amen. 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 But just so you don't feel like you drove all the way here, we are still going to serve you some food. Amen. pastor gives all of us his greetings amen. Uh, he's having a meeting in the u.s. so uh, god willing he will be with us uh, on monday so sunday he won't be here but he will be here in spirit we be praying with us in fact right now i think he's um, in the meeting now but he said right after he's going to watch the video he brings his regards to all of us amen, amen i thank the lord for the leaders the deacons in fact it's always an honor to work alongside with them amen Amen. Amen. i'm always learning continuing to learn you see uncle larry uh, he's not a small man Mm -hmm. you see but he humbles himself so much Mm -hmm. and uh, we're all learning Amen. Amen. amen god bless you for coming tonight this month We have been looking at um, arise and build. Arise and build. And God's been speaking to us. I mean, I don't know about you. Um, And I listened to the messages. Uh, I'm blessed. Pastor started with the church as Jesus designed it. Very powerful message. And then um, the King Prince. When we came for the Wednesday Bible studies, he talked about Nehemiah, how God used Nehemiah to build, how God can use us to build. Amen. And um, I believe Uncle Felix also talked to us about how we must hear from God so we can build. A very, very powerful message, in fact, hearing from God. If you missed it, um, get the message online and listen to it. Amen. And then on the Sunday, um, Dick and Larry talked to us about builders being built, that we ourselves are the ones God is building. Amen. We must make ourselves available for God to use. Amen. So God's been speaking to us and really blessing us um, throughout this series. And um, last Sunday, um, Reverend Ophir Very powerful title. In fact, it was um, disappointments, surprises, and disappointments. Wow! I was listening to it. I said, "Hey, this was to come from the chairman." (laughs) Surprises and disappointments about Naaman, and how it was a surprise that the king of Syria believed that there is a prophet who can heal, and it was a great disappointment that the king of Israel didn't believe amen which means that sometimes you can be far away but very near and then you can be very near but very far away that's why especially those of us who are near pastor we have to pray for us because you can be very near but very far away amen and not believe in the man of God. But I trust that all of us here Amen. will not be only near, um, but will also be near in truth. Amen. 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 Tonight, I believe God will build on what he has been speaking to us about. So um, if you feel that your eyes are closing, you advise yourself. Amen. Amen. You tell your eyes you can't close, you can put some wood in between your eyelids. So it doesn't close. Or you can stand up and stand at the back. Amen. Amen. In fact, if I see you dozing, I'll ask you to stand up and go to the back. Amen. This, remember, I'm the youth pastor. So that's how you keep the youth alive. Amen. Amen. So no sleeping. I know we are tired, but God will speak to us. Amen. So I want to talk to us on um, the message that I have captioned as... Um, Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Can you move a slide on for me in the media room? Ecclesia. In Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says, And I also say to you, verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my assembly, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against her i will build my assembly you have another version it will say i will build my church and the gates of hades will not prevail against her amen shall we pray father we thank you tonight we believe that you have a word for us as individuals and then for us as a church let your voice be heard in the name of jesus and let that voice with all its power transform our lives and the people around us in jesus name we pray amen Amen. so this is jesus speaking um if you remember jesus had taken his disciples to a place called Caesarea philippi and he asked them who do people say that i am and some peter said some say you are uh, jeremiah others say you are john the baptist others say you are one of the prophets and then jesus asked him but you who do you say that i am and peter said you are the christ the son of the living god and jesus said blessed art thou simon Bar jonah flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you but my father who is in heaven And I say unto you, Thou art Peter, and on this rock I will build my assembly or my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The word that is um, translated as church in that verse is actually the Greek word ecclesia. Ecclesia. I mean, the right spelling is E C C L E -S S I A. But just To make it distinct and spelling it with K because I don't want you to confuse it with Ecclesiastes (laughs) amen so Ecclesia is a Greek word and the actual meaning of Ecclesia is not church the actual meaning is a gathering an assembly which is why I used the other version um, the literal version of Matthew 16 verse 18 it says it calls it I will build my assembly I thank God that we are assemblies of God you know <laughs> said I will build my assembly and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it in the days of Jesus there were three main institutions in Israel one was the temple the other was the synagogue and the third was the ecclesia so Jesus was not saying something that his disciples didn't understand Okay, when he said, I'll build my ecclesia, he was talking in language that they understood. But of the three institutions, the two, the temple and the synagogue, are religious institutions. So it's surprising why Jesus doesn't say, I will build my temple, or I will build my synagogue. But he says, I will build my ecclesia. Amen. So that's what we really want to look into today. Amen. Amen. The temple and the synagogue were the religious bodies, but the ecclesia was not religious at all. So why then would Jesus say, I will build my ecclesia? What is in the meaning of ecclesia? Now, ecclesia was first developed as a ruling assembly of citizens in the Grecian democracy. So when ecclesia came about in in the Grecian um, kingdom, what they used it to refer to was when a group of citizens gather to make rules that affect the people. Okay, and so that gathering was called ecclesia. So it's not just some people gathering to do a concern, hey. right? It's gathering to make rules that affect people, not gathering to decide um, which uh, place are we going to eat this evening. No. They are gathering to decide, what should we teach in the schools, for instance? So the the decisions that they make in that gathering affect the people. And so that gathering was called an ecclesia. Amen. Amen? Now, it consisted of people, men who were 18 years or older, who had gone At least serve in the military for two years so it's not just anybody it's people who who love the nation who are willing to die for the nation in the battle because to serve in the army for two years you are a candidate for death right when people go to war they are going to face death and so to serve in the army for two years it means that you are willing to die for the nation so it's not just anybody who forms part of that Ecclesia, is people who show patriotic commitment to the nation. Amen. Amen. And Jesus is saying, I will build my Ecclesia. I want you to follow me. Amen. 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 So I, 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 will be, I will not be teaching more, so I will not be preaching. That's why I say don't fall asleep. It's easy to fall asleep when it's teaching. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Most of us, we those are in class whilst we're going through school. That's why we are where we are, you, <laughs> see, but don't doze in this class. Amen. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so later, when the Romans came and overpowered um, the Greeks, the Romans sort of adapted this idea of Ecclesia, but they took it further and they expanded it to mean an assembly of citizens who are duly convened. Now, that word convened there is something in it and I want us to um, understand it. When a group of Roman citizens as small as two or three gather anywhere, it doesn't have to be in Rome, anywhere in the world, when a group of two or three Roman citizens gather, it says that they are constituted as the coventus. So that the word there is coventus, which means that in their gathering as two or three citizens of Rome, they are seen as being in Rome, and all the laws of Rome apply to them. Amen? So for instance, if in Ghana, it is illegal to be homosexual, and if the law, the ecclesiastical system was available or applied in Ghana, for us gathered here, as we are citizens of Ghana, that law also applies to us so that I cannot marry another man because I'll be violating the law of Ghana. Amen. Because when we gather, the ecclesia from Ghana applies to us. The authority of the law in Ghana applies to us. Do you understand? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So that was how powerful Rome was. I'll give you an example. Paul was not in Rome when he was preaching the gospel and they arrested him and beat him up. When the magistrate who who took charge of the beating realized that Paul was a Roman, he was afraid. Even though he didn't beat him in Rome, he realized that no, this is a Roman. And because I am a Roman, he is a Roman, the law of Rome now applies. And the law of Rome says you can't beat a Roman without giving him trial. And so he was afraid because he realized that he could be judged by the king in Rome. So you understand what Ecclesia is? Ecclesia is signifying that the temple I mean before I talk about this I want to explain what I just said. The Ecclesia is signifying that even though a group of two or three people have gathered far away from their place of authority that authority still applies where they have gathered. So much here. Any pam, you know, and i So long as a messiah ever woman, he need a demon and found as I see the view on the wall. Roman, I apply with the view on Amen. And in here, beside, I didn't know, yes, say, I will build my ecclesia. Why didn't he say, I will build my temple or I will build my synagogue? You know, the temple was where they go to make the sacrifices. And the synagogue was a place where they go to um, study the scriptures and then to pray. So the temple evidently needed a building, right? They had to have a physical building. And then the synagogue also had to have a, a physical building for people to meet in to pray and to study scriptures. You know, right now, when we we ask what is the church, what does the church do? Most of the answers you will get is the church is a place where people meet to read the Bible, sing songs, to worship God, and then to pray. Isn't that what the church is? Isn't that what the church is? But that isn't what Jesus had in mind. If you remember, when Pastor was talking to us about the church as Jesus designed it, this was his main point. That the church is not what I just said. It's not a building where people gather to sing songs and to read the Bible and to pray. Amen. That is a synagogue. And if this was what Jesus really meant, he could have said, I'm going to build my network of synagogues in the whole world where people will be meeting in certain rooms and places, reading the Bible and singing songs and praying. But he didn't say that. He said, I will build my ecclesia. Amen. So, what then is the significance of the ecclesia? You see, compared to the temple and the synagogue, the ecclesia doesn't necessarily have a physical building. It is a buildingless uh, thing where people that gather are mobile. They can they approach can from here and go over there, and the ecclesia rule still applies. Amen? So, the ecclesia was a buildingless, mobile people movement. Designed to operate 24-7 in the marketplace for the purpose of having an impact on everybody and everything So there is no time of operation for the Ecclesia Amen Amen. But the church has a time of operation I mean the church as we know it Uh, The office hours is from this to this service time is from 9 to to eleven and a crown 9 yeah, crypto. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But the ecclesia that Jesus had in his mind was far beyond yeah. what we we, we we know of today. Amen. Yeah. So, what then did Jesus have in mind when he talked of the church, the ecclesia? Just to help us understand, Jesus or the Bible uses certain metaphors, examples. describe what the church is because the church is so complex it's hard to just explain it with one thing so he uses different metaphors to explain what the church is amen I'll, I'll quickly go through all of them but there's one that I want to focus on tonight one the church is described as the bride of Christ okay the bride of Christ which which means that we are married to Christ you know that description tells us that there is a, an expectation from Jesus for us to be in a certain relationship with Him, Amen. So there has to be a love relationship. How can you marry when there is no love, right? There has to be a love relationship. Now, one of the one of the advantages of the olden days, the marriage in the olden days, was uh, the arranged marriages. You know, I'm I'm sure you are all shaking your head. <laughs> the arranged marriages, it has its pros and cons. I mean, today, a lot of the marriage problems we are having is because we have immature people who are choosing who they want to marry, right? And of course, they will choose wrong. By the time they wake up, like Jacob, they are married the wrong person, and then they have to divorce. But one of the positive um, sides of arranged marriages was that because the children are seen as immature to make a lifelong choice the parents who have gone through life right if they are correct will make the right choice knowing their child right for their child to marry so most of the time in those days you marry without love doesn't come first the choice is made so after you are married now you have to take time to let the love come how does the love come by taking time to know the person, you understand. As you know the person, then the love is coming. <laughs> so when that Jesus says that, or the scripture says we are the bride of Christ, how do you develop love for Jesus if you don't spend time to know Him? Amen. So you want to love Jesus? Get into the scriptures, steady read about him read other things people have gone through with him listen to other people's testimonies that's how you know Jesus you see how he treated the other person you know that oh he'll treat you the same because he said I am the same yesterday today and forever amen Amen? you spend time to know him then the love is coming the love is coming the love is coming otherwise if you don't develop the love as the bride of Christ You'll be shocked on the wedding day. Who wants to get married to a bride who doesn't love him? Amen. The other metaphor that is used for us is that we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Now, you will realize when you look at your body that you have many parts in your body. And the different parts all don't look the same. That is to say that the church that Jesus had in mind was not going to be some boring, one-sided thing. All different people, different ideas. In fact, it's much like the board. <laughs> different mindsets, different viewpoints, different ways of seeing things, but in the end, it's one board. And when the decision has to be made, it's one decision. We never have, like, two decisions. With one decision we vote, carried. We all support it. Amen. that is what the body of Christ is Paul said if the whole body were an eye where would be the hearing imagine you go to give birth, and the doctor comes and said um, I have good news you have delivered an eight-pound eye <laughs> eight-pound eye the bad news is that the eye is blind why eye will be blind because it doesn't take only the eye to see the the eye needs the brain to tell the eye what it is seeing you understand so if it's just the eye the eye will be blind that is why the body of christ needs everybody you have a gift i don't have pastor has a gift you don't have you have a gift pastor doesn't have that is why if you remember one of pastors messages he preached when he first started was, I can't do it alone. I need your help. You know, pastor needs everybody's help for the church to be what God had in his mind. Yeah. Amen. So when you sit down and say, I mean, because I cannot preach like how they are preaching, I can't do anything. You are making all of us suffer. It's like your stomach saying, because I can't see, I won't digest any food. Hey, to be dangerous. <laughs> Hallelujah. The other metaphor that is used is the flock of God, that we are flock in God's um, sheepfold. Amen. The idea that that connotates is how we are to depend on our shepherd. You know, the sheep is, sorry to say, stupid. The sheep really doesn't know that it is walking into danger. You see it going, 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 going until the shepherd throws some stone to redirect it. The sheep will just walk into the river because the sheep is stupid that is how we are you know jesus said without me you you can do nothing so we are to depend on our shepherd all the time if we cut ourselves from him we cannot survive amen the other metaphor that is used is the household of god we are like a family you know and just like in any family i mean who amongst us here in your family can tell us that you never fought with one of your siblings when you were growing up. Me, I can tell you, my elder sister, I fought with her. Oh, but she was my best buddy-buddy. All my secrets, her secrets, we will share everything but we'll fight. But we are still siblings. Amen? It is like that in God's house. We don't agree all the time. There are issues, there are things here and there, but we are still one family. Amen. We are still one family. You don't say, "Oh, because at this church they have issues here and there," you are not coming. Just look into your own family, and then see that, in fact, this one too is a family. Amen. 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 The other metaphor that is used is a temple of God, a building. And if you remember, I think already I talked about this: the builders being built. Peter said that we are living stones that Christ uses to build his building. So all of us, we are stones in the building that Jesus is building. Have you seen stones in a building before? Can you imagine a stone in a building that is standing by itself? Have you seen one like that before? No. The stones in the building that make the building connect to each other. That is how the building comes about. Every stone is connected, connected. The moment you disconnect, you are out of the building. Amen. And so when the, the church is described as the building or temple of God, it means that we are supposed to connect to each other. Amen. Don't say and say, I'm sorry, and I didn't nephew. no. Make sure you are plugged in. Amen. 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 Otherwise, you are removing yourself from the church. Now, the last thing, which is what I want to focus on, is that the church is also described as an army, the army of God. Amen. It is the army of God. Now, an army is different from a group of people who go for party. You know, when you see a group of people in a bus going for party, and you see a group of people in a bus going to fight, you see that their facial expression is different, right? One is going to face food. The other is going to face death. It's two different things. Amen? The church is described as an army. So when Jesus stands and says, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You see that he is describing some form of contention because there is a prevailing against. There is some fighting that is happening. And that is what the church is. It is described as an army. Now, in any army that has no discipline, they are already defeated before the battle. Every army must be disciplined. Amen and there are ranks in every army. There's the privates, there's the what? Generals, lieutenants, commanders. Hey, oh yeah, he's in royal rangers. (laughs) Hallelujah, amen. Different ranks, and the ranks is not by age. Hey, no, it's not by age. You can have the one in charge being younger, and the other one older. But you say, yes sir, I take the command. Serious discipline. And that is the church, the army of God. You know, that's the problem we have today. A lot of people don't want to be disciplined because we, we lose sight of what the church is and we look at human beings. The soldiers that take command from their seniors, they don't look at the person. They look at the things on his shoulders. It's not the person, the things on the shoulders. Jesus said to the people that the Pharisees, even though they are crooked, is a listen to them because they sit in Moses' seat. That is rank. That is how army behaves. Because of the seat the person is occupying, you listen. Amen? Amen. So, let's delve deeper into the church as an army. He said... You are Peter, on this rock I will build my assembly, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against her. What is the gates of Hades? Hades is a Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Sheol, And they both refer to the underworld, or the place of the departed spirits. where people die, that is where their spirits go, the underworld. That is Hades. You know, if you have another, I think the King James version, it will say the gates of hell. That's not a very accurate translation, really, because hell um, is Gehennis, which in those days was describing a garbage dump, which was like an incinerator that was always on fire. So the fire never was burnt out; it was always on fire. So they use it to describe hell, like hellfire, you know. But This word that Jesus used was Hades, and Hades is different from hell. Hades is the asamando, the place of the departed spirits, the underworld. Amen? And so we'll go go into it, and we'll understand it. Now, Jesus was speaking this scripture that we read at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Let's say it. Where? Caesarea Philippi. Amen. This one is a class. Amen. Caesarea Philippi. And the location was a place where the people in those days, they called that place the rock of the gods. Because, you will understand, that place housed a temple in a cave which was dedicated to the Greek god Pan. And Pan was a variant of the Canaanite deity, Baal. You remember Baal? Or some say Baal. But I'll say bow, so you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Mm. So that was the rock of the gods, the place called Caesarea Philippi. That was where Jesus took his disciples and was asking them, Who do people say that I am? I want us to really analyze critically why Jesus will do this. The cave at Caesarea Philippi it was also the eastern source of the Jordan River, so the, it, it had a supply into the Jordan River. Mm. So somehow Jews should even identify with it, but you would realize no Jew would have anything to do with Caesarea Philippi. Because the city's pagans believed it was the great abyss. Because of the demonic stronghold there of that god, they called it the abyss. And the entire cave was seen as the doorway to the underworld. This was how the people in those days saw Caesarea Philippi, particularly these caves of rocks where Jesus had taken the disciples. They saw it as the doorway to the underworld and they called it the Gate of Hades. Amen? The pagans performed perverse rituals involving sexual acts with goats and temple prostitutes. They slept with goats because the god Pan was a god that was a goat. So they are sexual activity with goats and with temple prostitutes in honor of the goat god, Pan, and lord of the shepherds and music, god of pleasure and fear. Can you imagine the kind of demonic hold that place was? They celebrated other deities, such as Echo and Galerius, possibly also the fertility goddess, Nemesis. So it was an idol-worship stronghold. And that was where Jesus took his disciples to talk to them about the Ecclesia. It was believed that both Baal and the spirits of the dead entered the underworld through these gates into Hades. So the people believed that that cave where they had, that temple, where they they did all these sacrifices and all these perverse things, was the gate into the underworld. A any mufa Makaniye. it's the gates a poor or that was what they believed. That was what they believed, that was how they treated that area. Why then would Jesus have anything to do with such a place which shrines to Caesar? and the other false gods, including a large statue of the good God Pan in a state of exaggerated sexual arousal, Caesarea Philippi was the opposite of holy Jerusalem. I mean, anything that is evil was associated with that place. And that was why no Jew would defile himself by even traveling to that Caesarea Philippi place. Amen? So the question is, why would Jesus, the holiest Jew that ever lived, go to such a perverse, demonic hold? Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, not only did Jesus just go there, in fact, he actually went out of his way. You know, it's one thing when you are passing by, and then you just realize the place and you stop by to teach a lesson, right? So it's like, it's on your way. You didn't really intend to go there. It's one thing. But when you actually study the geographical locations, it did, it wasn't like that. He intentionally traveled for a long time to go to that place just so he could ask the disciples, who do people say I am? amen he journeyed from Tyre and Sidon to Bethsaida and then went out of his way for 30 miles round trip going and coming 30 miles plus to visit this perverse location now if you look at the map you will see Tyre over there at the corner there and in Matthew 15 so just one chapter before the chapter we read in Matthew 15, Jesus goes to Tyre and, and Sidon where he met the Canaanite woman. Remember the Canaanite woman that came and said, my daughter is sick, can you heal my daughter? And Jesus said, I am only sent to the Israelites. And the Canaanite woman said, but even the children, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall. And Jesus said, I have not seen such a great fate, your daughter is healed. And then the daughter was healed. That was in Tyre when that happened after that jesus moved from Tyre into the regions of the sea of galilee that was in the following verses verse 29 to 31 and it was around the sea of galilee where the bible says he healed many people they brought the sick they brought the lame the blind he healed them all and then it was in that place after healing them all he has the disciples these people i see they are hungry let's give them some food he multiplied food for them to eat as well amen so Look at the distance, so from Tyre, now he's around the Sea of Galilee. Now you see where Caesarea Philippi is. He had to travel all that distance to go to Caesarea Philippi just to ask the disciples, who do people say that I am? That suggests to me that there is an intentional effort by Jesus to stage this lesson that he was going to teach the disciples. It wasn't some casual thing. He was about to teach them something something that was so important he couldn't teach them anywhere he had to journey with them to Caesarea Philippi a place where no Jew would go amen and so he goes there and he asks them who do people say that I am and Peter responds saying you are the Christ and Jesus said you are Peter and on this rock he were standing on rocks in that area so when he says this rock, I mean, there are other applications of this rock. We know Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, himself being the rock on which the church is built. So that is established. No dispute about that. But I don't think that was what the, um, Peter and the disciples were thinking when Jesus said this rock. Because in their minds, they were standing on the rocks of Caesarea Philippi. And he said, in this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, which was right there. And they knew that that place where they were standing was called the gate of Hades. Because the people treated it as the gate into the underworld. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the disciples, their understanding of what Jesus was saying was in that area where they were. Amen? Of course, it has applications which have been rightly applied in in other literature. But we just want to look at how the apostles understood Jesus. Amen. So the gates of Hades represent Satan's domain. Everything that is evil. Everything that is demonic. I mean, take anything that you think is very demonic and multiply it by hundred times. Right? It was that hold of the powers of darkness. The place where they controlled the people. Amen? That was the gate of Hades. And then Christ, about to build his ecclesia, strategically positions his ecclesia, not anywhere, but right at the doorstep of where that powerful hold is. He said, I'm not going to build it on the playground. I'm not going to build it in the other places. This place where there is the highest concentration of demonic activity, that is where I'm going to build my church. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, what is the significance of the ecclesia? You'd see that the temple and the synagogue were static. They had to be in a particular building. But the ecclesia that Jesus was building was building buildingless, mobile people, positioned in the marketplace to impact everybody and everything. What Jesus had in mind when he was declaring, I will build my Ecclesia, was not a group of people who were gathered in some building far removed from the evils of society. Jesus was saying, I'm going to build my Ecclesia, and I'm positioning them right where the devil is doing his worst activity. Why? So that they can overcome the devil and, and free up the people that he's putting in bondage.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. That is the real church that Jesus is building. The church that invades the camp of the enemy. Not the church that sits in defense, but the church that goes in offensive mode where the devil has his strongest concentration of evil activity. Amen. Now, the only way Jesus could do that was to have people in his ecclesia who have overcome death. Because the gate of Hades was the gates leading into death. And so in Revelations, when Jesus appeared to John, he said, I am he who rose from the dead and I have the keys of death and Hades with me. Amen? That is what he had in mind when he said, I will build my Ecclesia. Amen. 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 So the church is not intended to be localized to one place. It is intended actually to be positioned where evil is strongly concentrated. And where is that? Your workplace. Right? Right? the people there, they, they are not Christians. Evil is there. You go to downtown Toronto, you see evil. Amen? In your neighborhood where you are, the devil is having party with your neighbors, destroying their lives. And Jesus looks at that and he said, that is where I will position my ecclesia, which is you. Yeah. And why would he do that? so that you will charge against that gate of darkness amen, amen. amen. there are darknesses that we must confront hmm. and one is poverty hmm. poverty is real amen. amen and that is why jesus positioned us here you know it's it's unfortunate that sometimes the church concern we concern ourselves with so much spirituality that we fail to see the practical things that are happening around us. The things that people are practically dealing with. Amen? Yeah. So that when the person needs money, instead of giving them money, we, 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 we say we were going to do them deliverance. Yeah. It's good. We will do the deliverance, but we have to give them money too. Yeah. We will tell them about Jesus, but we have to give them money too. Amen? Real church meets real needs. Real needs of the people. And when we talk of the people, we are not talking just about those of us who have gathered in here. We are talking about those of the people who are in the gates of darkness. Whom the devil is having party with. Amen? Other darknesses we must confront. Addiction. Addiction. There are people who are addicted to all sorts of things drugs, pornography, gambling, many, many things. People are addicted. That is the gates of hell controlling people. And Jesus has positioned us to overcome that gate. Amen. 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 The gay and lesbian agenda is so easy for us to dismiss them are you all these people who are going to hell that's easy to say but that's not what jesus built his ecclesia for if jesus were to live in our day he would go to the lgbt community where they are living in where they are most concentrated he would go there and say this place is where i'm going to build my ecclesia because the people there are the ones he needs He said the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He won't sit somewhere in some nice church building and say that these people are going to hell when they are having the pride parade. Jesus won't sit somewhere and begin to condemn them. He will go there in the pride parade and say, I'm going to build my ecclesia here amongst them. Amen. Why do you think he said, Let your light so shine before men. Who are those men that he was talking about? He was talking about unbelievers. Amen? People who need light. They are people of darkness. Darkness is when you're in darkness, what do you need? You need light. So that they may see and then glorify God. There is something that the church must do before the preaching of the gospel will be received. When we jump that thing and we just go ahead with the gospel, they will not hear us amen homelessness is real mm-hmm. imagine going to downtown seeing the homeless person and the first thing you try to give to the homeless person is Jesus he won't even understand what you are saying he's cold he's hungry amen And you're telling me he needs Jesus. No, he needs food. Mm. Amen. And so, the ecclesia, which we are, we must arise to what Jesus had in his mind when he said, I will build my ecclesia. He was building an assembly of people who will not sit in one static place, but will rather move to where the darkness is most concentrated to affect the lives of those people. Amen. Amen. There's racial inequality. There's disintegrated families. In fact, there are some families, it's so complicated that there's, it's just confusion. Hey, Last time in the news, there was one man who's had a, do- who, who's had a child with his daughter. You, you heard it. I mean, such a family. How do you talk to the, the child who has been born? The child's life is riddled with confusion. That my mother is the daughter of my father. How do you describe such a family? That is the gates of darkness at work. Confusing people's lives, destroying people's lives. And why must the church stay in our nice building and letting them be destroyed by the devil? You think they will come here? They will come. The church must go to where the gates are. Amen? Amen. So there's one video that I want to show.
1: It's a fentanyl addiction
0: before and after.
1: 22-year-old Katie Mather, forehead and chin clawed open by her own fingernails because the use of fentanyl makes her skin crawl. I spot her on the Strip, Suri's infamous drug hangout, and ask if she'll talk to me. She puts cover-up on her raw skin. So, I
2: literally just did my mascara and I'm
1: good to go Katie settles in to tell her story.
2: Perfect. Perfect.
1: How she ended up living on the street three months ago, addicted to fentanyl.
2: Well, I've been using... It's actually funny. Well, not funny, it's terrible. I'm a really addictive personality. I've always been, like, addicted to something, whether it was shopping or... or Facebook or whatever, and um, I did an oxy, I got addicted right away, and then I got I finally I found a regular dealer and I started picking up all the time. I remember the day the fentanyl came out, and my dealer said, you know, I've got these new pills, they're fake oxys, he didn't tell me they were fentanyl, because nobody knew what fentanyl was yet, he just said they're a 100 times stronger and they're only $5 more. And I was just like, okay, because I, you know, I was getting a pretty high tolerance at this point.
1: Oxy's, OxyContin, led to fake AIDS. Fentanyl posing as OxyContin. Immediately, Katie wanted nothing else.
2: I could buy one of these fake 80s, put them into four lines, and two lines would last me a full day. That's how strong it was. And if I get a full pill, I would eat.
1: Katie says she's overdosed 11 times, most recently, a few days ago brought back by paramedics or friends on the strip who have naloxone, the powerful opioid antidote. Every time I eat dope, I know I'm taking
2: a risk. I know that I I might die, but like, it it doesn't matter how many times I'm OD, I still use the next day because the withdrawals are so bad.
1: Katie has been in the news before. She and her sister attacked by a Rottweiler cross back in December. Katie was badly hurt and spent time in hospital. She says that cemented her addiction to fentanyl. As she talks, blood starts to seep through her makeup. Katie, you're 22. Why would you risk it?
2: Well, at first it was just fun, right? It was just for fun. It's just a party drug that, you know, like, and there's been some things that I've gone through and it helped with a lot of pain. And especially after, you know, that dog attack, I, I just couldn't stop, you know?
1: I ask Katie if she worries about herself and her future.
2: Sometimes, I mean, I I don't know. I just like to take things one day at a time, you know? Kind of just go with it and hopefully, you know, hope for the best.
1: For now, the best Katie can hope for is to wake up from her next fix of fentanyl. Eric Rankin, CDC News,
0: Surrey. Hallelujah. Amen. know there's one thing that she needs and that's Jesus. Do you think she'll walk into our church herself? That's why Jesus didn't say I'll build my synagogue or I'll build my temple but I'll build my Ecclesia. Because the Ecclesia goes to people like this where they are. Now don't Take it for granted. It's dangerous to go to places like that. That is why you have to be in the army, to be in the ecclesia. People who are drafted in Jesus' army don't fear death. Amen? Jesus said, if you will come after me and you will not hate your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, yea, even your own life, He said, forget it. Don't come and follow me. Because he knew what he was building. He was building an army of people who will walk right into the gates of death, ready to die. In Revelation, he said, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death such are the people in the ecclesia today we don't want to give it our all we we just want jesus to bless us we don't want to sacrifice for people like that to come into the ecclesia it will take sacrifice it will cost you something beloved it will cost us something as a church Like right now, we are trying, we we did very well, we bought the parking lot with the car wash on top. Mm -hmm. That car wash can be a marketplace where we can confront the gates of hell in this region. People will not come to church but they will come and wash their cars. Amen? The church must move away from having all this concentration on ourselves into asking ourselves, how can we make a difference in this dark world? Paul talked about it in our scripture for this year. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He said, behold, darkness covers the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you and your God will give you light. Why? Is God giving you light so that you can be in the room by yourself? Is that the use of light? Light is put on so it will be taken to where it is dark for it to shine there. Amen. 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 So all of us, we must be challenged. Church as usual is over. We must shift our thinking that there are people who are struggling. Like her, you know, What do you think she needs? She needs Jesus. But you go right now, and go and talk to her about Jesus. She'll be confused. She needs help first. What do you think it takes to give such people help? It takes money. It takes money to take her and put her in a rehab. Somebody needs to pay for it, like the good Samaritan. Amen. And as you are doing that, you are visiting her. She's seeing the love. Hey, but like you're not my family member. Why do you care so much? Next time she will come to church. Amen. 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 So this nation and this region where we are Humber Summit, we're going to pray God to open our eyes. There's darkness all over. People are struggling. I said, people are struggling. If you don't go there, you won't know. People are going through things, and we must arise to make impact. God must bless some of us with money so that we can support some of these things because it takes money to reach them. There's one last scripture I want to read so you will know that what Jesus meant was something that will cost all of us. Amen. Matthew 25, this scripture, we all know it, but I'll have us read the whole scripture. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you prayed for me. Is that what he said? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Amen? Amen. Then they will say, when did we see you hungry? And feed you, or test you, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was in... What? I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked... And you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. You see, I am putting in yellow in those slides the things that they did not do. You did not feed me, you did not clothe me, you did not give me drink, you did not welcome me, you did not clothe me. You see, he doesn't talk about what else they did, probably they prayed for them. Probably, they declared some faith proclamations over them. He didn't talk about that. He said, you didn't clothe me. End of the day, it is what you did to the person's need that Jesus will refer to. Now, you see, in this account, if you read the earlier verses, he talks about how, in the final judgment, many will come and say to me, Lord, Lord, we did miracles in your name. We cast out demons. We heals the sick, and he will say to them, Get away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, is it wrong to cast out demons? Is it wrong to pray for the sick? Is it wrong to do all those things? No. Why did he say, Get away from me? You know, because it doesn't cost much to cast out demons. It's not because it's not your power. He just said, In the name of Jesus, you use somebody's name. And the demon is gone. It doesn't cost you anything. He paid for it. The gifts of the spirit, if I have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, it's a gift. I didn't work for it. It's a gift. I'm operating it. So I am not giving anything that is costing me. Do you understand? But when I'm removing my money to support the food bank, that one is, is costing me. He say we are doing a food bank. Why? So hungry people in this area can get food to eat. And we say say, hmm, take your money and support it. That one will cost you. Because they just increase your rent. And we are saying, remove from that money and give it. It will cost you. It, it, that is what the Ecclesia is for. People who are not afraid to die. If you're not afraid to die, how about hunger? A will crime so soon come. You understand? You know, when you have this mentality, what you are going to do right now? It will change your thinking. To change your thinking, Amen. what are you going to? That is not even God has denied you. Hey, you are still alive. Amen. Even in death, he is still God. Amen. 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 So we are going to pray tonight, and we are going to really ask the Lord to shift our thinking all of us in this church to shift it from ourselves into where the darkness is concentrated in this city. A lot of the time, the reason why the church is not going there is because we are scared, we are afraid. We say, let's go to where the gangsters are. You know what David Wilkerson did with Nicky Cruz, if you've heard of that story? That is what the real church is supposed to do. He went to this gangster man, Nikki Cruz, and went to talk to him about Jesus. And the gangster looked at him and said, oh, get away from here. Otherwise, I will kill you and cut you into pieces. And this is a gangster who killed people, plenty. You know what David Wilkerson said to him? He said, even when you cut me into pieces, every piece of me will cry out that Jesus loves you. And that gangster was shocked because all his life nobody has told him that somebody loves him. He was shocked. And not only that, he was also shocked that there was somebody who doesn't fear death. He's willing to sacrifice his life just to tell him that somebody loves him. Amen. Amen. To cut that long story short, that man, Nikki Cruz, is now a worldwide evangelist preaching all over the place. Amen. That is the ecclesia. It goes where the people are. Nicky Cruz will never have found his way into a church. The church must go to Nicky Cruz. Amen. And it's not easy. The only way, because of time, I couldn't talk about that aspect. How we will go into the gates of darkness. Jesus told us, and i didn't put it here but i'll I'll say it in Matthew 16 that same scripture if you read down after he had told peter you are this rock i will build my church on you then he said "Behold, i give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatsoever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven what jesus was saying was that the mode of oppression of the ecclesia is prayer that we fight our enemy, the kingdom of darkness, we overcome them in prayer. So that whilst you are doing the good to the person, even before you tell them about Jesus, you are already praying for the person. Prayer has gone into the food bank. The people that are coming, we are not telling them about Jesus, but we are praying that they will find Jesus. Do you understand? Because it's a spiritual battle. That must be worn in the spirit. And then the people themselves will find their way to Jesus when the right time comes. Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray tonight. One, God shift our understanding so that we will look now into the dark areas. Remove fear from our hearts. Fill us with courage and boldness. And then help us to be able to sacrifice our all. Whatever it takes. We must reach this community at all costs amen, amen. and then we we'll pray for the church for other prayer requests shall we please be on our feet